Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the wonderful world of cinephilia. It's been a while and I gotta say, I'm so glad to be back. Well, it's only been one week, but that's seven whole days without analyzing a film. Can you believe it? In this seven day hiatus, I've been thinking, as we are heading towards the end of season one of this podcast, I wanted to veer away from my usual airy-fairy, psychoanalytical, existential, hypothetical, Freudian stuff and do something a bit different. Perhaps something that's out of my comfort zone, because as you know, I'm used to analyzing the psychology behind a film, so I thought maybe a Marxist reading. When I first learned about applying Marxist critique to film, it was in my English class. And we were learning about Marxism in what I think, in my humble opinion, is one of the worst films I've ever seen. And that film is, drumroll please, Mad Max Fury Road. Yup, I'm sorry to those who like this film, I genuinely hated it. It just, it didn't do it for me, I'm sorry, I didn't like it. One star rating on Letterboxd. You know, maybe it's just not my thing, but I really did not like it, and therefore I switched off and was like, for Christ's sake, bring back Sigmund Freud. Yeah, maybe I am slightly biased against certain films that weren't made by auteur directors, but Pretentious is in the title of this podcast, so you signed up for it. Anyway, yeah, Marxist film theory didn't really appeal to me because I did not enjoy the film we were analyzing, but I thought, what if I did a Marxist reading of a film that I really like? So I decided on Train Spotting. This film is probably in my top 10 favorite films of all time, and I think it's my favorite film of the 90s. I mean, come on, it defined that decade. I can't understand how anyone has lived through the 90s and not seen it. I think this film was what got me into Britpop, which is definitely my favorite music scene of the 90s. The soundtrack is amazing. It's probably one of my favorite film soundtracks of all time. Alright, so what's the film about? It follows Mark Renton, an unemployed heroin addict who lives with his parents. He regularly takes drugs with his friends, however, two of them are sober from those drugs and they warn him about how his drug use is a very self-destructive habit. Mark decides he's going nowhere in life, so he decides to make a change. If you know this film, I'm sure you're familiar with the famous quote, choose your future, choose life. He starts to withdraw from his heroin use and he finds that this withdrawal increases his sexual desires. So he seduces this girl at a nightclub, they shag at her place, but then he finds out she's underage. Yuck. And she keeps using that as blackmail against him in order for them to keep their relationship. Disgusting. So Mark and some of his friends try to reintegrate back into society, but are unsuccessful, so they relapse back into heroin. Then they get arrested for shoplifting and Mark enters rehab. After being on this synthetic opioid to help him recover, he relapses and then overdoses on heroin, nearly dying from it. Then his parents forcefully incarcerate him, forcing him to go sober. Then he gets clean, but then he just feels empty and it's as if his life is lacking something, like 
as if life is meaningless to him. Okay, so I think the rest of the plot isn't that important, and I will touch on it if needed, but I think I should start applying Marxist critique to this film. So what exactly is Marxist film theory? This is something that is really new to this series, and I have a few films in mind that I'd like to do a Marxist reading of in future episodes, so it might come up again, who knows. To explain it in simple terms, Marxist film theory analyzes how power structures are represented in film and how the lower classes suffer. Class struggle is one of the most important aspects of train spotting. I don't know if you've noticed, but if there are any pulp fans listening to this, you may have noticed that the title of this episode is a reference to one of their albums. When I was trying to think of a title for this episode that's both witty and fits with what I'm going to be discussing, it just came to me and I was like, oh my god, that's perfect. Not only because it represents different socioeconomic classes, but because the Britpop scene in the 90s, well, this film is considered to be the film that defined the Britpop era, like Battle of Britpop, as they called it, was definitely a class war. A little bit of background to this Battle of Britpop. During that era, the three biggest Britpop bands, Oasis, Blur, and Pulp, were constantly rivaling with each other. It was always, are you on Team Oasis or Team Blur or Team Pulp? These bands were constantly at war with each other. I personally am on Team Pulp and Oasis. Jarvis Cocker and Liam Gallagher are mwah, loves of my life. Anyway, why was the Britpop rivalry a class struggle or a class war? I'm going to keep this short and sweet because I'm going to end up going down a rabbit hole. But this is still relevant to train spotting, not only because it was the Britpop film in the Britpop era, but because it explains Karl Marx's theory of class conflict in a really understandable way. First of all, between the three of them, there's a socio-economic class structure and hierarchy, a structure that Marx was so hellbent on dissolving. At the bottom of the Britpop socio-economic hierarchy, we have the proletariat, or the working class. That's Oasis. Second tier, we have the bourgeoisie, or middle class. That's Blur. I'm sorry, I just love saying the word bourgeoisie. It's such a nice word to say. You know, you have those words that you just enjoy saying because it rolls off your tongue so nicely. Bourgeoisie. It's such a nice word, bourgeoisie. Anyway, I'm going off topic again. I know. And then, at the top of the hierarchy, we have the aristocrats, or the upper class. Pulp. I'm not going to explain the individual backstories of each of them, but here is the Britpop class war in a nutshell. A couple of weeks before lockdown, I was at my uncle's party and I started chatting with one of his friends because we just clicked because, well, I do in fact have the music taste of a 55-year-old man, so we just started talking about music. And then specifically, Britpop. And what he said about the Britpop rivalry was something I definitely won't forget. I'm gonna try to paraphrase what he said. It was something like, the rivalry between the major Britpop bands was definitely a class war. Because the Gallagher brothers of Oasis were construction workers. They were working class boys from Manchester. They didn't really have much. Then you've got Blur. They were middle class and in comparison to Oasis, 
they were able to fund things such as recording studios, etc. Then you've got Jarvis Cocker from Pulp, who went to art school to study fine art. There you go. This sums up why the Britpop scene consisted of a class war. It was the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie versus the aristocrats. Karl Marx claimed that a particular class owns and controls a society, therefore exploiting those in the lower socioeconomic class. To boil this down, Marx claimed that in a capitalist society, there will always be one, the exploiters, and two, the exploited. To compare this to train spotting, Mark Renton is considered to be belonging to the lower socioeconomic class, the proletariats. He's unemployed, he's a heroin junkie, and considered one of society's quote-unquote losers. Mark represents the proletariat. He is the proletariat. The struggles he faces throughout the film, it's as if it's made out that the reason why finding his place in society and making a substantial life for himself is to do with his lower class. The man's life is hard, and his friend groups too. They're dying of overdoses, getting STDs, struggling to find employment, struggling to reform themselves. One of them fails as a parent due to their self-destructive lifestyle. This results in the neglect-induced death of their baby. This is probably one of the most difficult scenes to watch. Because it shows that when life is so difficult for the working class, they fail to provide for their families and they fail to look after themselves as well as those they're responsible for. What triggered the revolution of Marxism was how hard life was for those at the bottom of the socio-economic hierarchy. From a Marxist perspective, the horrible lives of the working class are a result of how those at the top have too much wealth, therefore it is not distributed amongst those who fail to provide for themselves. Mark Renton and the numerous mishaps and challenges that his friend group face all represent class struggle because I think from a viewer's perspective, if you're looking at it through a Marxist lens, you'd think that majority of these detrimental problems in their lives could easily have been taken care of if the working class weren't so neglected. Okay, okay, some of you might be thinking, well maybe Mr. Mark Renton wouldn't have ended up in this shit show if he hadn't been hooked on drugs. I mean, isn't the famous quote, choose your future, choose life? Therefore implying that his life is terrible as a result of choices? Yes, that's true, and it is a gray area, and I agree. If you are in a fit state to make decisions, I definitely think that poor decision-making plays a big part in the outcome of someone's life. But like, as I said, only if they're in a fit state to make them, and if they're in the right mindset, and are educated on the outcome of their decisions. But this is not relevant to this critique. Yeah, it depends what perspective you're looking at it from. Since today I am focusing on Marxist critique, I will only be looking at this film from a Marxist perspective, so we will not find any loopholes. That's a disclaimer that I should have put out earlier. Back to what I was saying. Those who think that the working class, like Mark and his friends, lead terrible lives as a result of their choices, like drug habits. I'm gonna challenge you with this. This might make you realize your own classism and unconscious bias. 
Someone on Twitter asked, what is considered classy if you're rich, but trashy if you're poor? A popular answer to this was substance abuse. Other answers included tax evasion, getting money handouts, breaking the law, being too preoccupied to look after your kids, etc. Now this question is a great thing to discuss in both Marxist theory and as a theme in Trainspotting. Classism. Because Karl Marx believed that a capitalist society only favoured the bourgeoisie and aristocrats, at the expense of the proletariat. What is portrayed in Trainspotting shows us class struggle and how the working class live when they are neglected as a result of the system being built for the upper class. This choose your future, choose life mantra that Mark and his friends live by is way more important than I thought. It's way deeper than just a matter of live life to the fullest and all that jazz. In fact, I think this is one of the most potent aspects of the film in terms of Marxist theory. Oh my god, I just realized another great title for this episode could have been Marx Renton. Holy shit, that was genius. Okay, so why is the quote, choose your future, wait, hold on. I think it sounds better if I say it in a Scottish accent. Choose your future, choose life. Okay, there, I did it. So, what is it about this iconic quote that makes Trainspotting a perfect portrayal of Marx's theory? Well, from Karl Marx's point of view, it completely debunks the misconception that members of a capitalist society who are in poverty make no effort whatsoever to get out of poverty. Mark tries so hard to turn his life around. He tries to go sober, he even makes the effort to get a job. His friend group tries to earn a place in society so that they aren't considered life's losers. Choose your future, choose life. This shows that no matter how hard they try to work or make life better for themselves, the existing structure of socio-economic classes won't allow them to do so. They are the faulty end product of a society where those at the top stay at the top, while those at the bottom are stuck at the bottom. This is one of the foundations of Marxist theory. Karl Marx believed that the divide between classes wasn't caused by the thoughts and actions of individuals, but by it being a dynamic in nature as a whole. He believed it was the system that was the problem. What I'm about to say now may be quite obvious, but I'm going to leave you with something that's quite light and easy to digest rather than me dumping complex theories onto you. Systems. That is a key word here. Marx believed the root of the problem was the system, not the individuals affected. We're coming back to the whole exploiter versus exploited thing here. And therefore, a change in system and status quo was the solution. Systems. Mark Renton encounters a lot of government-run systems failing him and the people in his life. Whether it's the healthcare system, the drug rehabilitation system, work and income, or whatever the UK equivalent is, they all seemed to be there to help him, but they ended up failing him. Yeah, I know, I'm not pushing aside the fact that he's gotten himself into these situations because of personal choices, but this is a Marxist reading. I'm making myself very clear that whenever I analyze something in this series, it is only meant to be seen within the context I'm analyzing it. That is why there are different forms of film critique. Anyway, after noticing that, 
The system has failed Mark. No matter how hard he tries to work his way out of low societal status, I think it's clear that one of the main catalysts for his struggles, particularly class struggle because they're to do with his status, they are a result of what Marx considers to be a flawed system where the lower classes suffer. Well, I hope that I've made you look at this film in a different way. A Marxist way, to be precise. Because the first time I saw it, I fell in love with it, and the Britpop scene, and Jarvis Cocker, and Liam Gallagher, but now that I've put my analytical lenses on, I can see that it effectively portrays the hardships of working class life and that it is complementary to Marx's theory. Alright, before I sign off, I'm gonna try to make this a tradition in every episode. I've got some homework for you. I want you to do some pondering and think of the question, what's considered classy if you're rich, but trashy if you're poor? And then write down everything that comes to mind. This isn't a compulsory assignment. Your pretentious cinephile rights won't be revoked if you don't do it. It's just that I trust you to do it if you want to. And maybe, if you do happen to know me relatively well, I would highly appreciate it if you shared with me some of the things you came up with. Please do so if you do do this task. It's honestly such a great conversation starter, and it's a great way to teach people the very basics of class struggle. Well, that's all for me today. I hope you learned something. Probably something new since I've never done a Marxist reading before. Alright, so take care listeners, and remember, in the wise words of Mark Renton, choose your future, choose life. And if you are listening to this series in order, make sure you tune in not next weekend, but the weekend after, where we will be looking at superstition in Cleo from 5 to 7. I look forward to it.